Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello Groovers, it's Graham. Welcome to our FA Cup compilation show. There's still something magical about the FA Cup final, don't you think? Wembley, the sun shining, a bowling green of a pitch. Jumpers for goalposts. Sorry, I have taken that too far. Here are some clips of our lovely guests talking about that most special day in the English football calendar. First up, the then West Ham manager, Alan Pardew, tells us of the day in 2006 when Stevie G broke his heart with an injury time equaliser from, what, what, 160, 170 yards to force extra time and penalties. Gary McAllister, what a wonderful guest he was, continues the Liverpool theme when he talks us through his part in the Anfield Club's 2-1 win over Arsenal in the 2001 FA Cup final. It was an epic. Robbie Di Matteo scored the fastest goal in FA Cup final history back in 1997. Is it really nearly quarter of a century ago? And he talks us through that iconic moment before a friend of the show, a friend of La Liga, Terry Gibson, takes us back to 1988 and the day that the crazy gang beat Liverpool to pick up that famous trophy. Finally, stay tuned for Ander Herrera's reflections on the 2016 FA Cup final which marked his first major honour at United. Enjoy. I'm looking at Benitez on the sideline as a manager. He's done. I can see him. He, he knew he was preparing his speech for the defeat. And then literally a football miracle happens. And well, have you ever seen these are moments that change careers? Now, if I'd have won the uh, cup, FA Cup, then where would I be now? What would my personality be different? It might be completely different. Bit of glory at that stage, going on to a big club, uh, success or not success, I might not be where I am now. So these things sometimes happen for a reason. I don't actually think it's in the gods or in the. I think sometimes it's just fate. Mm. Yeah, I can't determine. Uh, an actual factor. There we go back to what I used to do at Bristol Palace because Peter Grant whispered in my ear with ten minutes to go. Just get Nigel Rio Coke. It's a man marks Stevie Gerrard, and we've done it right. Oh. And I went because I'm not stupid. That was a good idea. So we man marked Stevie Gerrard. And if you watch the game, because now I'm telling you, you'll know. You watch the last seven or eight minutes of that game. Nigel Rio was all over him like a rash. 
And Steve Gerrard decided to drop off deep because he wasn't influencing the game. He wasn't getting a kick. And Nigel Coker, being the honest pro that he was, stayed deep defends the space to, to prevent the back four. Stevie Gerrard picks it up and shoots from another country, yards. basically. So there you go. So we did everything right. I could look back. I still look back on that time and that goal, and I could see it now. And I, I don't blame Nigel Rioconga because if it was me, I'd have done exactly the same as him. That was a natural instinct yeah. that he had to do: was protect the back four, not go and mark Stevie Gerrard. I'm going to do nothing from there. There's one that obviously, which is massive to me, you know, and, and it really stung. It really it hurt more than probably one of the most disappointing. And then, obviously, the, the day turned out actually no bad. But we win the League Cup. Mm-hmm. We're looking, we're going to get to the FA Cup final, Arsenal, and we're, we're in Dortmund to play Alaves in the UEFA Cup final. So, if you sat the whole squad in a, a room like this, round this a, a big dining table, this, and you asked every player in that room, I think you could cut the room in half. So you ask the British players of the two finals, which one do you want to play in? Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that Gerard was always giving me the nudge of which one I was going to be playing in, mm-hmm. or which games I was going to play in. Know that I thought I'd play in any of them. Maybe I'll play in two of them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me, I want to play in the FA Cup final. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up as a wee boy watching FA Cup finals. I used to go down over the border with my, my dad and, my, and all his mates to watch live coverage of BBC England and Moffat. Because it was normally oh, really? it was always Rangers Celtic. Yeah, we fed up watching Rangers Celtic. <laughs> we'd drive down into the borders at Moffat and watch the English Cup. So there was no Wembley at the time. It was the, it was, it was the millennium. It's not Wembley. It's, but it was but it was brilliant. But so I get told an hour and a half before the FA Cup final against Arsenal that I'm not playing, and I'd scored. I think I'd scored in four games in a row before it. But obviously that was sweetened, and Michael scored these two goals, and we won the FA Cup in the celebration. Gerard comes and nudges me in the side. He says, "Be ready, you'll be playing on on Wednesday in Dortmund." And the UEFA Cup final. So this is where I'd be affected because you, then, you, you came on and ch- the game was Arsenal's for a long, long oh, chunk of time. You came battered. on and we changed. Get, we get battered. Uh, that, they battered. I'm us. trying to be oh, gentle on I mean, how I say it. And I think they tar- was it brutal hot because it. I, I thought it was brutal. Well, I had ice towels. Obviously, my. I'm challenged a wee bit up here, up top. I, was, I, think, I it was, think it's the look. It was. That is the look. Thank There's you. no doubt about that. But yeah. I think it was showing 100 degrees pitch side. Oh la la! One of the, you know the little thermometers were there. Obviously, 60,000 people inside there as well, but boiling. And and a good, hard-running, clever Arsenal side that deserved their lead. They but they go, don't they? they? They particularly go in terms of the space that they allow. I think. Stefan Henshaw clears one off the line, which was just. He only used one arm, which I think that's why he got away with it. But that was clear. So that's 2-0 in the game. Would be How's your luck? I mean, these things but, happen. But then I just uh, come on and there was a free kick up into the back post. Marcus Babel keeps it in the box and Michael swivels and whack, it's on the half turn. And then Michael's second goal, it was great through ball from Patrick Berger and he's, he's running away from Lee Dixon. And there can only be one square in the net where he can score and he hits it. He hits that corner. It was an, an amazing goal. I still to this day don't quite know how he did it. It looked impossible and it looks as if the keeper must get there. So you see, there's part of these things, well, how Seymour had saved it, but it's, it's a great finish. But you, I had felt, just watching, just as an observer, I was sitting watching with Johnny Greek and I said, this, this is turned, this is turned, there's only one side now. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Do you know by the end, I don't know, if you ever get a chance, to, uh, you know, I'll have watched it back, we could have won four. Mm. 
even after that, with two other chances, you know, which we, I think, with three verses, one, Robbie, myself, and Bergen were breaking away, and we, we chose the wrong pass. But at the end, we could have ended up one and three or four. something wrong. about muscle memory, again, because they just, as soon as Arsenal's players realise that we've got this, we've got it, it isn't happening. And I don't know if it was your confidence or the quality throughout the team or whether it was you, you were younger, fitter, or whatever, mm-hmm. as a group. Mm-hmm. There is a moment, and there was a moment where I could tell that I, I didn't know who was going to score or how it was going to come, but you just knew. And up until that moment, you, you couldn't really see how it could be, like, know, in all honesty. I think it's a trait as well that follows a select band of clubs. Many times they do it. Mm. Many times the Liverpool get that last-minute Celtic. Rangers Bayern Munich Real Madrid. Munich Is it, it attitude? It's just that Never ever Surrendering Or saying You're beat yeah. At no point You just don't know What's going to happen And it's, sometimes And we'd been beat Honestly we'd been It was a yeah. proper beating Arsonal it, it was a proper I hope that wasn't lesson. exaggerating that It was a massive doing They were very good also They were very good on the day And to come out They couldn't believe it They were shell shocked I watched many, many cup finals, but even back in Switzerland, you know, it was a big, uh, it was a big event, uh, the FA Cup final uh, in Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't show, you know, the, the, the games, but the FA Cup final it was always live on TV. And uh, I, what I remember as well is that, you know, the perception of England was that oh, it always rains in England. Every time I watched the FA Cup final, it was like a sunny day, or nine out, nine times out of ten, it was like. That's a good point. I don't remember a rainy FA Cup final. Even it was like it was like up. a sunny day, and you think, why? Why do they always say that it, it rains in, in England? So, from Switzerland to Wembley, you're sitting there. I didn't know what you were going to say that the FA Cup was a big event um, in Switzerland. That even that you'd watched it with a kind of half. God, that's an interesting event. English football, English weather. And, and then you end up, poor old Middlesbrough again, at, at Wembley in the cup final. Right. Tell me, what does it mean? Getting there, the excitement, Wembley. I, uh, forgive me, you, you'd played at Wembley before? No, that was the first time. It was the first time that I played at Wembley. Well, I, I mean, the whole week leading to the final, the FA Cup final, was a new experience for me because obviously you have all the, the media commitments and... Uh, uh, and so on, and you know, new suit and uh, and the song, you know, record the song, and so it was all new and fun and and exciting as well. Uh, this is with songs, right? Hmm? Chelsea, Chelsea, Blue Day. Yeah. And so then you get to the to the hotel the day before the game, and again it was quite a relaxed atmosphere in our hotel, you know. And again, that's probably because of Root, you know, he was just so chilled. <laughs> so we were quite confident, you know, before the game, because we knew we had a good team, and if we turned up on the day, we had a good chance. So we were quite confident. But I didn't, not for one single second did I think that I would score a goal. I mean, so we went into the game, and obviously, you know, the, the, the quickest goal uh, in the history happened to me, and Dennis Wise, you know, still claims that he made an assist in that final, which, you know, okay, if you do a pass a ball in your own half, if you call it an assist, I mean, okay, you can do that. But I think that's you congratulating <laughs> him for the quality of his pass, is it? In your own dry way. Well, it doesn't qualify in the, in the, in the football His vision, his vision, <laughs> the, the weight of the pass. Come on. Anyway, so he passes me the ball and I start running forward and... 
I saw uh, Mark Hughes in front of me making a movement, and I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to give it to Mark Hughes. He's someone who's going to lose the ball or whatever. <laughs> so I just pulled the trigger, and uh, luckily the ball dipped a little bit. The goalkeeper was a bit in front of the of the goal line, and and it was uh, it was a great start to this final for us. And it certainly gave it even more confidence and. It settled a bit the nerves because it was a fun. It was important. You know, winning that uh, would mean playing in uh, European competition the season after, finishing the year with a trophy after 25 years for the club. So quite important, you know, actually very important. Even though you weren't super nervous and it was a relaxed group and you were confident strategically against Middlesbrough, you were aware of the weight of expectation from fans who hadn't seen a trophy for a quarter of a century, that yeah, at least. Yeah, I, I was used to it because I played the, the, in Italy, so the Roman derbies <laughs> and the games in Italy, the, the weight Chelsea of Middlesbrough is, is okay in terms of no, pressure. No, no, you can use it. I was 20, I know, by that time I, I was still 26, just about to get to become uh, to turn 27 but you, you get used to it you don't, you don't think about that anymore but it's around you there would have been nerves yes oh quite, quite a bit of nerves the English yeah. players for example Wembley would have meant as special as it was for you who'd seen it as a kid in Switzerland I didn't know that for them it must have been if you talk about the goal taking away nerves you're talking more about your teammates than you yeah, the team. I mean, uh, as a, as a group, as a team. Yeah, obviously, you know, it was a great start. You know, early goal in the final. It it sets you up. You know, for a good. Uh, I mean, for high probability of winning the game. Can you close your eyes? Can you feel the euphoria? Can you remember the feeling? Oh yes. I mean, I I lost my mind for like ten seconds when I started running like a like a rabbit, like, like a crazy man. Um, and you could see, obviously, you know, everybody was full of joy. I mean, the stadium was rocking. It's incredible. One of the happiest sporting moments of your life? Absolutely, yes. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody knows, listen to this, that you're Terry Gibson FA Cup winner. Mm-hmm. Probably some don't know that you're Terry Gibson European Championship winner for England. Yeah, as a youngster, yeah. Under 18. But we'll touch on that. But still, even though they know you're an FA Cup winner, they don't know the ludicrous personal situation that you were in to be able to turn out at Wembley on that blazing hot day against Liverpool. And I think it's worth explaining because I think it's people don't know the struggles that players have or the risks they take or sometimes what they're willing to do to achieve their personal moment of glory. And in this instance, this interview, that applies to you. 
Do you know, I fractured my pelvis when I was 14 and played within six weeks because we had a cup final. And there's nothing there. I had this Oscar Slattis disease when I was at Spurs and took no time off at all. So you, you kind of become accustomed to, if I can, I will, which has massively changed now, whereas, you know, they're finely tuned, too finely tuned. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember seeing the growing up and seeing kid, uh, older players having injections in their knees and their feet mm. and their I had injections in my groins and my ribs and ankles and because it was you it was expected of you to do it and also you, you didn't want to miss a game you mm. wanted to play so that season that we're talking about the FA Cup I actually had a hernia so I missed the first two rounds I had what was known as a Gilmore's groin I was one of the first to have it well done. I was in this continuous pain in my groin and hip and lower back that no one had ever really identified what it was, and it, 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 it was a kind of hernia. And he, he would stick his finger in through the skin and find the tear, and you'd hit the roof with pain, and he would do something. It was Otis Gilmore is his name, and he'd become famous for carrying out all these surgeries that players in the past had suffered, and there was no real sort of cure for it. So I was lucky that there was someone around that knew what the problem was mm. so I had that done there was no rehabilitation done at the clubs you remember I mentioned earlier about United so Lillyshaw remember, remember yeah. Lillyshaw came up with yeah. that idea of there was no rehabilitation for long term injured players or even short medium long term so you would go residential at Lillyshaw who had the, the staff there and the facilities there because clubs weren't interested in you if you were out for six months because there was one physio that looked after all the players at the club, did all the strappings, all the treatment, so you would be neglected. So you would go together to Lillyshaw and train there and mm. a group of like-minded people that the injured, fighting their way back. I remember doing a circuit there after my hernia and I felt the other side tear. I literally heard it tear. Yeah. I was doing an exercise on the wall bars, lifting your legs up and down the strength and I heard, I literally, it was like a piece of paper and I thought... Surely that's not it again, but it's the, the other side. side. And part of it was the learning process about that particular injury was the other side compensates yeah. and it more often than not, that's going to tear. So I thought, oh, no. So I came back and spoke to the club and they said, no, it can't, it can't have happened. Started training, still feeling the pain. And then we, got to, we came to an arrangement that I would play whilst we were still in the FA Cup. So I wouldn't train, I would play and then recover... Now, recovery was just... I was doing what I criticised Man United players. There was no... They would... I would have to drive into Wimbledon and have a bath. Hmm. In an old tin bath. I got one at home. But it, it was a real, real thing in, back in the day that coming for a bath, sometimes you drive two hours to go and have a bath when you got one at... Anyway, so there was no physio. Training. I wasn't training. I couldn't jog. Towards the end of the week, I could jog in straight lines. But I couldn't sprint round corners or go fast round corners. I wore these ridiculous neoprene thick shorts under my mat shorts when I was playing. Kind of like a, a groin corset or a hernia exactly, corset. Exactly to, what it was. To hold it in. Yeah. And then we got through one round and then the next round and the next round. And so I, I'd probably done that early March, I'd probably say, from March to May. I barely trained because if I trained, it would hurt for two or three days. So I would play then hurt for two or three days and recover and then play again in the next game so and it wasn't many worse I actually picked up a medial knee ligament injury as well so if you look in the semi-final I've got a strapping round my knee and that's to hold the joint together and then 
six days before the final. I th- I'm pretty sure I broke my, what is now known as metatarsal, but it used to be just a bone in the top of your foot that I kicked through the bottom of Paul McGrath's boot. You're playing Man United, Old Trafford, yeah. six days before the final. I'd scored, um, and then had another shot. Paul's blocked the shot, and I've hit the bottom of his boot. I can't get my boot on 24 hours before the cup final because it's swollen. So I slept when I did get it on with my boot on. Couldn't in a situation shoes, like couldn't that, shoes on. when you can't get your shoes on, your foot's really sore. Yeah. And one of the things you should never do is go to the pub. So luckily you, you didn't. <laughs> no. What? I didn't drink though. What? <laughs> you did no, go to the we pub trained, it, the night before the, the FA Cup final, I mean, right? The, and also we trained for three hours that night before the cup final. <laughs> so when people say what makes the spirit, it wasn't hard, it wasn't intense, it wasn't physical. It's we still trained three hours. for three hours on set pieces. Okay. We did normal training and we're doing this and we're making sure everything's pinned down defensively, attacking, still at, a, a, still a at the public ground. training ground uh. where everyone's watching. Could, could anyone watch? There's no way you can stop anyone watching that mm. training session, but no one did. Um, and we trained for three hours, specifically on defending set pieces, attacking set pieces. The amount of detail that went in and the amount of hard work that went in, the amount of fitness training that went in. Not to my liking, because I woke up on a Saturday at Wimbledon, some games knackered, tired from a week's training, as opposed to feeling on top of the world at Spurs when we had the sharp, quick stuff, the skills, the the kick-up on the Friday. Sometimes it was that hard. We would do long-distance running and we would do unnecessary box to non-specific fitness training for footballers. It was just gruelling, day in, day out. On a heavy pitch, by the time it comes Saturday, I woke up Saturday thinking, I feel like I've played mm. already, let alone feeling at my best, feeling sharp. But the, the attention to detail, the hard work, the preparation, the professionalism, I've been nowhere better than at Wimbledon, mm. in that everybody knew their jobs. You got sick to death of the training sessions, the, the, the routines, the repetitiveness of the, each day, 11 aside every day. Hated it. You know, long distance running after 11 aside, hated it. But I quite liked that we were winning games of football, not getting beat, and ultimately winning a trophy. So people ask me, what, how did that work out? They all think we're a bunch of herberts that had a laugh and a joke and found their way into an FA Cup final. It was, the mo- it was one, it, arguably the most professional group of players that I've worked with, with the, man- with the right manager... And the right coach. You substitute and everything you've said, and it's Atletico Madrid. Yeah, exactly. It's very oh, we, uh, we believe at Wimbledon we invented the channel ball, the in-swinging free kick. Before we did it, no one did an in-swinging free kick. Ends up winning us the FA Cup final. The diving header, we invented that. <laughs> um, the goalkeeper dribbling out. Mm. Near enough, as far as they'd let him. To, to, to gain some territory so that the ball goes... He was best was pinging it in the 18-yard book from... 15 yards. So all the, all the things that are detrimental to football in general. Well, if I was an outsider, I'd be looking at it and thinking, why do you claim credit for that? But it was literally something different. Something that came from Dave Bassett that was moved on, that Don Howe and Bobby Gould progressed with, to being so organised. The fittest players I've ever played with were the mm. boys at Wimbledon. We were programmed, fit, great attitude, never say die. When we came together over that the white line... Before kick-off, we were together. Whatever happened off the field, Monday to Friday or Saturday night, didn't matter. Yeah. But against the odds, we were we were going to 
win games of football and, and ultimately mate, win a trophy. And your mate gets the goal, which is a nice part of the story. But and he should have been there. After all that three hours training, Corky should have been there, not Sanch. Corky messed up. Corky still is bitter about it now. Alan Cork. I know you mean. Yeah. Jack's. Yeah, Jack's dad. Jack's dad, yeah. Corky was meant to be where Sanch was. I can remember it. I was edge of the box and I remember Sanch saying, Corky, yeah, go I, in there, I, go I, there. You're now out of my comfort. You don't have to explain it. We had the in-swinging free kick. Yeah. And as I say, we trained for three hours and Corky still got it wrong. I don't know whether he thought he would use his experience because he was a clever player, Corky, and try something different. And Sanch was shouting. I remember Sanch shouting and Corky go like near, go exactly position. I'm trying to describe it, where Laurie scored from. Mm. That was meant to be Corky and Sanch was meant to be somewhere else. Sanch saw that F- Corky wasn't there and thought... Filled the space. I'm going to go, yeah, and then... And gets the goal. So Corky still says, should have been me. <laughs> <laughs> and it should have been him. <laughs> and he would have done exactly the same. Because that was his speciality, wasn't it, Corky? The, the, the glancing header. There's a price for being a free spirit, Corky. <laughs> there is a price yeah, for being yeah. a free spirit. So that, that should have been Corky. You qualified, you turned the last FA Cup semi-final before this season um, Everton. with an assist mm. and then didn't play in the final. That must have been a... a, a given what you've explained about tension and... To I, be honest, what I think always when I play or when I don't play is that the manager is doing the best for the team. I never take any decision personally. Never. Because... I put myself in their position and I cannot even imagine that someone is taking a decision just to kill someone. I don't trust it at all. No. When you're a manager, you take your decisions because you think it's the best thing for the team and you are trying everything to win the game. He can be right or he can be wrong, but I never take the decisions like personally, honestly. Of course, you want to play every game. You want to to feel part of the things always. You want to play, you want to, to be protagonists of things. But this is Manchester United. You cannot ask yourself to play every game of the season because we are in one of the best clubs in the world, one of the richest clubs in the world. We have the capacity to sign the best players in the world. So as soon as I'm ready to play, as soon as, as, soon as I have done everything to be ready, if the manager doesn't choose me, I will be angry two minutes. The third minute, I will be thinking, how can I help the team to win the final? That's so against, against Crystal Palace, I was thinking, if the manager needs me now to play, what can I do? When we lost Chris Smalling because he was sent off, what, how could I do, help the team now to, to win the final? If I come on, if I'll I come be ready on. with ideas. And that's it. I never take the decisions of the managers personally. Same as... When I play, I don't ask why I'm playing. So when I don't play, I don't go to the manager to, to ask why I'm not playing. You've got a very logical brain. You, you... I just try to keep my balance because I don't want to be like a montaña rusa. How do you say, you know? A uh, roller coaster. Ro- How do you call it? Roller coaster. Roller coaster. I don't uh, want to be there's like... There's no way to explain that word, actually, <laughs> what a roller coaster is. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I don't want to be... One day because I'm playing the happiest and the next day because I'm not playing, I'm the saddest... In the up world, and down. up and down. I don't like that. No. I like to keep my balance, to keep my balance always. And I think if you find that balance, you're happier in life. <laughs>